Our scripture reading for today comes from Matthew 1, verse 1. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David and the son of Abram. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. That was a short and sweet scripture. The sermon won't be that short, though. (laughs) Be amazed what you can get out of one little verse. So this is one of my uh, favorite times of the year is Advent. The season of Advent is actually the beginning of a new year for the Christian. Um, It is not for the world. It's January 1st. Uh, but on the Christian calendar, uh, it is the season of Advent, and today is the first Sunday of Advent. And uh, the color, there are four Sundays uh, during the Advent season, uh, four Sundays before we uh, have our Christmas Eve service and and to celebrate the the birth of our Savior. Uh, The color for the season of Advent is purple. And uh, it is a wonderful time of anticipation, of thinking about the second coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Christmas is a time of, of, of new beginnings. It is a time of surprises and a time of things that happen that are sometimes unexpected. Thus, during the next four weeks, we are beginning a new sermon series titled, Unexpected. And today, we are going to be looking at an unexpected family. Now, how many of you have done the, the genealogies where you went uh, to Ancestry.com and maybe did the DNA test? Anyone ever do that? Yeah? So were, were there unexpected surprises, things? Did it turn out like you thought it would, or was it different? Yeah? Is different than what you thought? Yes. And, and, uh, and that, that can happen. Uh, I have heard stories of unexpected results. Uh, whenever uh, these tests come back, people uh, that realize uh, maybe that they, they thought that they were of a certain ethnic group and uh, found out that uh, maybe they weren't Italian, but they were Irish. Who knows? <laughs> but sometimes it, it, there are those little surprises, or perhaps uh, you find out that you had a sister or a brother that you never knew that you had. Uh, That could certainly be an unexpected surprise. But we all desire to have good family backgrounds, to come from a prominent family or a strong king or a leader or a person of great influence in the world. And uh, and yet, we all, whether we're willing to be honest with ourselves, we all have those little areas in our family that sometimes we just want to just keep undercover, that we aren't necessarily uh, proud of. And uh, maybe uh, there is dysfunction uh, in our families. We all have the unexpected family lineage. And it was true with Jesus as well. And that is the one of the neat things about this message today is that there isn't any just perfect family that there is dysfunction in all families, and, uh, and it was that way in the line of Jesus' family. And Matthew begins in writing this gospel message to us about the life of Jesus, and he begins with the genealogy. He is telling the, the line of the family line, and it can really be boring. I think how to begin a gospel message important about the life of Jesus, and you begin with the genealogy? I mean, 
I know that I've done this where I thought that I was going to read the New Testament, that I was going to begin this new year and reading it, and you get excited and you get your Bible, you maybe have a journal, you pick out your favorite place where you are, are, are going to have this special time of, with you and God, and you open up the book of Matthew, and, uh, and here is the first verse that you look at. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it doesn't take a couple of verses that you realize, oh, well, what is that all about? I I can barely pronounce some of these names, much less know or understand what is is going on. And uh, reading things like uh, Jonathan was the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was the father of of, uh, Manasseh, and on and on. And and it's at this point where your eyes just kind of begin to glaze over, and uh, you put your Bible down, and you just kind of walk off from it. And maybe six months later, you come back and (laughs) dust it off, Maybe we'll look at the book of Mark. Maybe it wouldn't be quite uh, so long and and tedious and and boring. Or we just skip that section. I know I've done that when I come across a bunch of long, boring names that I can barely pronounce, don't know the meaning, and you just skip that section and you you move on uh, to another place in, in the scripture. And, and we do that because we don't have an understanding of the significance or, or the meaning or the purpose of, of why there's this, this uh, long list of names that we can't pronounce and, uh, and what are we to do with them. And so I want us to spend some time with this genealogy as comfortable, uncomfortable as it is because I believe that there is an unexpected family that we need to be aware of. And with, oftentimes, when we discover unexpected things, they can turn out to be our greatest blessing. Because you see, with God, we can expect the unexpected. Just like at Christmas time, the unexpected gift that might appear underneath the Christmas tree, the unexpected of what, the anticipation of, of what is in that box. With God, we can expect the unexpected. And in the Bible... We see something, when we see something that is unexpected, we need to pause. We need to think about it. We, we don't need to just skim over it. And we need to ask ourselves, why? Why do we have this genealogy? Why would Matthew begin such a boring genealogy? It doesn't make sense. But when you begin to dig in and, and to take a look, you begin to figure it out. The main reason why Matthew begins with this genealogy is because he knows that the main people in his audience is of the Jewish faith. He is speaking to Jews. And the people in that time, the Jews, would definitely recognize the significance of this genealogy. They would know what it means immediately because it is establishing the claim of Jesus connecting him to the throne of David and the fact that he is the Messiah. But Matthew is doing more than just speaking to his Jewish audience. He is also making aware to the Gentiles and those who are, those who are not Jewish, Gentiles, people like you and me. He is creating the awareness to us that the Messiah who is coming is not only fulfilling the covenant promise to the Jews, But he is fulfilling the covenant promise for all of us that salvation has come to the world. And that is hope to the world. 
the good news to the world, that the Messiah is here and he comes to bring us life. And so as we begin to read this genealogy, we need to keep this in mind that just as the Jewish readers would recognize Matthew's genealogy, uh, that even the Jewish readers were stunned by some of the names that were in this line. It was unexpected that there was some unexpected family that was in and a part of this family tree. A family that maybe you weren't really wild to be able uh, to connect uh, and to have that background. Because Jesus' descendants, uh, there was a wide variety. You had those who were righteous alongside those who were evil. There was ordinary, plain Jane, everyday people. And there were people who were considered outsiders. People that uh, wouldn't necessarily make the claim of kingship or messiahship. So in effect, what Matthew is doing is he is introducing to us that God can work through anybody. God can use anyone or any situation to bring about the plan of salvation. And that's exactly what he's doing, is offering that plan of salvation for the world. And we find that in this genealogy that there were adulterers, there were prostitutes, there were heroes, and there were Gentiles. So let's look at verses 7 and 9 of chapter 1. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. And you say, so what is the significance of all these names besides the fact that they're difficult <laughs> to pronounce? Well, these names, I want you to realize that Rehoboam was a wicked king, and he fathered a wicked king, Abijah. And Abijah fathered a good king, which is Asaph, and he fathered another good king, which is Jehoshaphat, and he fathered then a terrible king, which is Joram, who fathered another terrible king, which is Ahaz, who fathered a wonderful and righteous king, Hezekiah. And so this should let us set up and to take notice that there is a clue here, and that clue is, is that God can work through anyone, whether they're evil or righteous, that God is the one who puts people in positions of leadership. God raises up people in authority, and he brings them down. But ultimately, God is the one who is in control. And Matthew is not pointing to our human striving or what qualifies us as human beings, but rather he is pointing to the qualification of God and the faithfulness that God has a plan for the world's salvation. You see, we serve a God that will break through the evilness of this world. We serve a God who will overcome any obstacle in order to reveal to us the love that he has for us, just as we sang in our song a little bit earlier. So I want to say that again. We serve a God that will break through the evilness in this world, that will conquer any obstacle that there is in order to reveal to us his wonderful love for us. What is also shocking about this genealogy is that it includes five women. 
Now, in this day and time, they say, okay, it includes five women. What's the big deal? But in that day and time, it is a clue for us to realize that most Jewish genealogies would never list women in that line of family. Why? Because women were considered very low on the social scale. They were at the bottom of the, of the totem pole. And so we need to take a look at why these five women are in this genealogy. We have Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba and Mary. Women often experienced being marginalized in the Jewish society, and some even suffered abuse. And Tamar was a woman who was denied her motherhood because of the deception of men. Men who were supposed to take care of her rather than mistreating her and and treating her as rubbish. And so what we need to realize is because of Jesus, because of him coming and being our Messiah, Jesus has come to restore the dignity and the equality for all women who were abused and ignored. And I believe that there is someone here today, whether they're here in this room or watching online, that needs to hear this. That Jesus came and he restores the dignity and the equality of all women maybe who have been abandoned, abused, or ignored. Then we have Tamar and Rahab and Bathsheba. And they have reputations of behavior that maybe that you wouldn't want for your daughter or your daughter-in-law or even your granddaughters. But this reminds us that Jesus offers salvation to all, regardless of what our past is and regardless of how broken we are. And some of these women were Gentiles. Ruth was a Moabite. And scripture says that the Moabites were not even to be admitted into the congregation up to the 10th generation. They were considered outsiders. And then Rahab was a Canaanite. And to the Jews, the Canaanites were people that they were to destroy whenever God told them to go in and to possess the land. And so here again, we see Jesus coming to offer salvation to all ethnic groups, even the groups of people that we don't like. And these women, there were scandals in their life. There was a sex with a father-in-law. There were unusual marriages. There were illegitimate children. Yet each of these women had a very crucial role in the history of the Jewish faith and tradition. And these women exhibited incredible faith, even though they were women and some of them were Gentile. In contrast to the Jewish men who were called to be faithful and were not. Which says that God will use whoever is willing and available God's salvation history is, has unexpected family. And we all know what it is like to have family that comes at Christmas or at Thanksgiving that sometimes we really don't want to be around. And this unexpected family reminds us that God is faithful to his covenant promises regardless of our unfaithfulness, in spite of our brokenness, Regardless of how stupid we may behave or in spite of our lack of faith, God is faithful to his covenant promises. God is a God that restores and heals and reconciles. Do you come this day 
from a broken family. I know that I did. Do you find yourself in a terrible marriage? Are you going to be spending Christmas alone because of divorce? The cause of death in the family? And are you wondering if God can do anything with the mess that you have made with your life? Is your brokenness so overwhelming that you're wondering, is there any hope? Can God help me out of this mess? And the good news is, is yes. Yes, he can. Because of this genealogy that we read. This text may seem short and simple. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. With God, we can expect the unexpected. And I know for myself that that was very, very important. To know that God can heal, restore, and reconcile any dysfunction. He came and Jesus overcomes and he brings salvation to all of us. He offers us all life. Jesus the Messiah is about the unexpected. We may think a relationship is too broken to repair. We may think that our family is too awful for it to be considered uh, to, to of worth or value. But with Jesus, it's the opposite. Jesus has overcome the world. He overcomes our background. Jesus can overcome our brokenness. He can overcome our messed up family tree. Because with God, there is always new beginnings, new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus has overcome it all. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah is an incredible statement of hope. For all of us. And I know for some that Christmas can be so hard because it does represent family. And when there is discord, when there's brokenness, when there's hardship, when there is dysfunction, it makes our hearts sad. But the good news is is that Jesus understands. And he can restore and heal and renew any situation. And so as you look at your family tree... You may not have royalty, and you may not have anyone of worldly significance. And you might think that your family is just a mess. I know that I did at one time. But take heart, because Jesus' family was a mess as well. Especially when you go back and you read the stories of the, of the names that, that I read. And Jesus chose to enter into the messiness of our lives. And Jesus chose to come to be a part of the messiness of all humanity. And he comes to bring us hope. Hope for a future. Hope of new beginnings. Matthew opens with a genealogy of a big picture of a very large family. And then, by the end of chapter 1, he begins to zero in on the immediate family of Jesus. And he takes us right into the chaos of their world. He brings us right into the messiness of their lives. And I'm going to read you this, but I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. 
because right after the, I read this, uh, we're going to pray. But I want you to see the messiness of what was going on even before Jesus was born. And this is from Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So if you can only imagine in that day and time to, to be pregnant and to not be married and to wonder what to expect in the unexpected. And her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. You see, with God, we can expect the unexpected. God took care of all of the details. As you heard in the children's message, he went to Mary and he told her first that she was going to have a baby. And Mary wondered, I mean, she was frightened. Can you even imagine? How can this be? I, I, I'm, I'm not married yet. But Jesus knew, God knew, he understood. And he went and he tells Joseph, it's okay. The Holy Spirit is in charge here. Just trust me and follow me. And so I want you all to realize that no matter what is going on in your family, no matter what is taking place in the world during this season, God is in control. He knows what is best, and it is always for our good. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the surprises that we find in this family tree that you gave us today. We thank you that even though things don't seem normal or perfect, that your love conquers all. We thank you that you understand. And we give you our families and we ask for your life and your blessings to be upon them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen.